Amen. Amen. And uh, good morning, church. And thank you, Mike, for pulling together that video. And thank you um, for those who um, lent your prayers and your language. I, I love that we have a diverse body of Christ here, and it gives us some reflection of the global church as people around the world worshiping God coming together. And um, so it's great to be here with you on this Pentecost day, Pentecost this day where we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit. We're two weeks into our series on the Holy Spirit. And last week, Pastor Brenda gave us this great image of hiking boots and how she was hiking, but she was avoiding getting the boots wet. She was jumping all around, tiring herself out until somebody said, Brenda, trust the boots, right? Trust the boots. And in the same way, we're invited to trust Christ, to trust his spirit, that we're not running around, you know, trying it all in our own energy, but trusting and depending on God. So today we talk about what is our posture toward the Holy Spirit? How do we prepare for the Holy Spirit? And how, do we, how are we filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we can forget that the Holy Spirit is here, right? It can be a bit mysterious. It can be the part of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is less tangible to us. And so we might not have a good grasp of who the Holy Spirit is. And if that's you, you are in good company. One of the early creeds, the Nicene Creed of the church, as they're putting together their belief system, they lift out the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The first line there, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, right? They have a real good understanding of the Father. And then Jesus, there's like four or five lines there about Jesus as they lift up who that is and their understanding. But then the Holy, I believe in the Holy Spirit. One line, that's it. We just believe in it, right? <laughs> There's no explanation. Uh, what does the Holy Spirit do, right? And as we think about Pentecost, the disciples, right? Jesus ascended into heaven, as Pastor Brenda talked about last week. They're waiting. They're waiting because Jesus said to wait for the Holy Spirit. They're in that upper room. And I, I bet most of you here know more about the Holy Spirit than the disciples did at that time. <laughs> I wonder if they thought, what are we waiting for? Jesus said to wait for his spirit. So you're in good company if there is a challenge in grasping who the Holy Spirit is. So they're waiting, as, as Pastor Brenda said last week, because Jesus said, I promise to give you the Holy Spirit. He left so he could send his spirit. And that's an important truth to us to remember that we are given this promise of the Holy Spirit. But if you had to give up one of the holy days, one of the Christian holy days, Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, Pentecost, and you can answer online as well, which one would you give up? Most probably Pentecost, right? I was thinking that myself. You know, and let me say that Christmas is amazing, and we would not have Good Friday if Jesus wasn't born on Christmas Day. Right? And Good Friday would be meaningless had Easter not happened, where Jesus was, was resurrected. But if Pentecost hadn't happened, right? Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, gives us the gift of the Spirit in order to have faith that Jesus was who he says he was, that Jesus came to bring us new life that his work wasn't finished on Good Friday and his work wasn't finished on Easter. He says, I have to leave to send you my spirit. He came to give us the greatest gift of all, his spirit, his presence with us. 
And yet, it can be easy to neglect the Spirit. It can be easy to forget about the Spirit. It can be easy just to go on autopilot in our day and do the things that we need to do and not in awareness of God's Spirit with us. About two months ago, I was riding my bicycle, and I commute most days um, here to work, and then I take a long ride on Monday. So it was at the end of the day, and I was riding, and, and the rain had happened earlier in the day, so I thought, it's okay, it's safe. Um, but as I'm coming down a little bit of a hill towards my driveway, I'm gripping the brakes, and they're not quite gripping as much as they normally do because of the rain, but I thought it's not that big of a deal. And as I'm turning into my driveway, there's a little lip into the driveway that my wheel catches, and I go sprawling onto my side. And I'm like, oh, that hurt. And then I saw a car stop. Um, They saw me crash. And a lady rolls down her window, and she's like, are you okay? And I wasn't feeling that bad, but then my ego was feeling pretty bruised. She's like, oh my gosh, are you all right? She gets out of her car, and I'm just like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And she's not convinced I'm fine. And so she offers to carry my bike down the stairs. <laughs> so she's carrying my bike, anything else I can do. And I say, no, thank you. You know, I really appreciate it. And so I kind of hobble down the stairs and, and go home and, and sit down. And then Cody and Erica arrive home, and... I'm trying to make my way to the dinner table, and I realize I can't really walk, and I can't put any weight on it. So Cody and Erica are concerned, and I, I Google my symptoms, right? It's probably never a good idea. <laughs> and it was not good news. It says you probably dislocated your hip, um, or you broke you know, the bone in your leg, and neither of those were encouraging and they were both encouraging me to go to the A&E, which usually I'm resistant, but it felt bad enough. I thought, okay, let's go. So we go to A&E, and, and as I'm getting out of the car, I can't really walk, so the paramedics come over, and they put me in a wheelchair. I've never been in a wheelchair, so I tick that one off the bucket list, and go in and wait in the A&E and it for hours, and I eventually tell Cody, you know what, why don't you go home, and I could be here all night waiting, And so he does. And after he leaves, then what do I do? What should I have done maybe really early on? Prayed, right? Prayed for the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit's healing. But it's 2, probably 2.30 at that point. I'm like, mostly I'm praying that, you know, I can get back to work. I can keep riding my bike. And in the midst of that, I'm like, God, pray that you would heal this leg. It's going to be a lot of trouble if it's broken. <laughs> and I pray, and I get this warm feeling on my leg, and, and I know God's Spirit was there present with me, and I'm not sure exactly what the Spirit did, but then I get meet to the doctor. He puts me in x-rays, and they can't find anything at all, and now it's about 3 a.m., and he's like, do you want to go home? Do you want to stay And I was imagining trying to get home and being stuck on the stairs, trying to make my way down, so I better stay. And they they send in the orthopedic guy in the morning, and they can't find anything. Everything looks fine, and and I can walk again. So I'm very thankful for whatever happened there. I recovered quickly. But it's this reminder that, yeah, I'm I'm a pastor here, but I can go about my day and, 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 you know, going about getting my plans done, even making a plan, and forget that I need to invite the Holy Spirit into that time. Now, today's passage is Acts 2, 1 to 6. It's in your, in your bulletin there, and 
I've asked Joyce um, to do the reading for us, so let's have the reading of God's Word. Today's reading is taken from Acts 2, verses 1 to 6. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they are sitting. They saw what they seemed to be, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. This is the word of the Lord. All thanks be to God. Thank you, Joyce, for reading um, that for us. She's joining us online at home, and she thanks you for her prayers. Um, Let's go to God now in prayer. God, we just invite your spirit afresh into this time and into the understanding of your word for us today. God, may you speak to each one of us in a way, um, in a word that we need to hear um, for this day, for this season. God, maybe it's for our work. Maybe it's for um, our relationship. uh, Maybe it's for our health. Um, God, but speak into our hearts today, I pray. Amen. So let's unpack a little bit this this passage here that Joyce read for us. So when the day of Pentecost came, so Pentecost was originally a Jewish holiday. It was 50 days after Passover. Now Pentecost, as Christians, we celebrate as the coming of the Holy Spirit. And and what do we see here is that they are waiting, as Pastor Brenda said last week, they are waiting in this place because that's what Jesus said to do. Verse 2 says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came. And, and the word in Hebrew for wind and spirit is the same. It's ruach. There's this gushing of, of wind that the wind of God was present at creation. When you go and you read that account, the, the wind was present with Ezekiel in the valley of the dry bones when the wind blew through and brought new life. And the wind is here in the upper room with the disciples as the Spirit is poured out on them in tongues of fire, this, this sort of this mysterious um, you know, fire image that we get, which is on this stole here, this dove, and then these, this fire coming down upon them. And it gives them the ability to speak in languages that they didn't know. And as Pastor Brenda was sharing, you know, Pentecost is sort of the reversing of Babel, Right where there was misunderstanding and lack of understanding. Now, at Pentecost, we see this image of the nations gathered and becoming one and becoming unified and being able to understand one another. And we see that God is filling them with his spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to to receive the Holy Spirit? We're going to talk about it today and also next week. The first is a posture, a posture to receiving God's Spirit. 
Acts 1, 14, it says they all joined together in prayer, constantly in prayer. This is the disciples they were waiting. They, they didn't exactly know what they were waiting for, but Jesus said to wait. And so they're praying and they're waiting there together. And, you know, this togetherness is not always easy to do in this COVID season, which is why I'm thankful that we can at least partially gather back to the community. And we thankful for technology where people can join us online. But there's a togetherness that we're wired for. We're wired for relationships, and we're wired as a people of God to join together in our worship. And so we see these early Christians waiting and praying, and praying is an important way that we connect with God. After the service every week, we have our prayer ministers up here that would love to pray with you for whatever you might be going through. We pray in our service. We also pray alone, but there's a powerful way that God works when we can pray together in the church. It connects us to God. So this posture to God is this, this waiting on God, this praying to God. Um, when I was in seminary, I, I was in the U.S. in Los Angeles, and I was writing a paper um, for my final, and I was quite busy. My schedule was full, and I'm sitting there at a kind of a communal table at Starbucks just typing away, and, and this was the book that was on the table. You might be able to see the main title, Flame of Love, but below that, it's a theology of the Holy Spirit, a theology of the Holy Spirit. So I'm writing this paper on the Holy Spirit when I get this nudge in my heart that says, talk to the guy at the end of the table. I'm like, nope, I got to write a paper and it's due tomorrow. I don't have time for that. And I get this other nudge from the Holy Spirit, talk to the guy. So of course, it's ironic, right? I'm writing a paper on the Holy Spirit, and I'm ignoring the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then I just wait, and the guy asks me a question. He says, what is that you're writing? And then I sort of finally, you know, pay attention to the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying. And we have this lovely conversation. He tells me a bit about his past and actually how, we, how he was wounded um, by the church and how he's deeply suspicious of Christians. And we had this great conversation just sharing stories and sharing hearts. And I don't know what happened to him after that, but it, I'm glad that I finally got on board, you know, with listening to the Spirit. So even when our posture is not one of expectation, of not one engaging, um, God can still show up. And that's his grace that shows up for us. Three weeks ago, Erica and I were speaking about attachment and the importance of attachment with our primary caregivers. And when good attachment happens, it really helps in our development. But one of the stats that she shared in that was quite helpful. Even a parent who is wanting to do good attachment is really only truly attuned to their child about 30% of the time, right? And I thought maybe that's a little bit like us. Even if we're desiring God, we're walking with God, we still get distracted, we get busy, we get, you know, caught up in our own things, and it's God's grace that he still shows up even when our posture is maybe our back to God. When our schedules are filled with more of self than God, God still is gracious and shows up even when our posture isn't one of waiting and welcoming his spirit. But what else can we do? How can we access the Holy Spirit? Thankfully, God's grace is there, but what is our role? How do we invite the spirit? How do we... Um, allow the Spirit to work. Uh, John Ortberg gives this beautiful sort of analogy in one of his books, and he talks about the difference between a motorboat 
and a sailboat. With the motorboat, you have a motor, right, that you, you control the power, you control the directions, you fill it with fuel. You are in control of that situation. Um, with the sailboat, you need to put the boat in the water, you need to put up the sails, but you don't control the wind, right? And that spirit is the wind, so what is our role? Well, we got to get the boat in the water, right? We got to put the sails up. That's our part of preparation, but we don't control God, right? We don't manipulate God. We just wait for God. We invite God. We, we open our hearts to prepare for him. And that's a little bit of how we pray, um, how we prepare as we pray. We, we dig into God's word. We come to worship. We have times of solitude and meditation, and that's a bit of how we do our part. When I was in high school and I'd come back to God after kind of running from God, we were at a youth group camping trip on the beach, and I had a Bible, and I had a highlighter, and I knew many of these passages, but it was like God was meeting me in that place afresh. And, and if you've been reading the Bible for years, maybe you've had those moments where all of a sudden the, the meaning comes off the page for you in a way that connects and God will meet us in that place. And so we want to welcome that and invite that when it happens. And finally, we, we look at the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that every believer has the Holy Spirit. That if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. There's not a question about that. But it doesn't mean we're always filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Alpha Course, they give a great analogy. It's like the pilot light in a furnace. The pilot light is always on whether the furnace is on or not. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is like that for us. It's just always there. But other times when the furnace is, furnace is turned on, then it roars to life, right? Everything ignites. And that's being filled. And it's not a one-off experience. It's something that we can invite and something that we can experience in an ongoing way. In Acts here, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so we can open ourselves up to the Spirit working in our lives. And one of the most powerful ways we can open ourselves up is that inner transformation. In Scripture, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is evidence of the Spirit's work, these very things that the Spirit wants to help transform in our lives. If we want that fruit to grow, we need God to help transform us, but we also need to admit, are we lacking in that fruit? Do we want more love and more peace and more patience can we be real with ourselves to say, you know what, I'm seeing more evidence of anger or selfishness or greed? Can we be real with ourselves and invite the Spirit to work? And can we be real with God to say, God, do this work in my heart and in my life? And can we be real with those around us in our community, our close friends, and our life group? Because if we put up shields, if we put up walls, and we pretend we have the fruit, we kind of block God off from working, right? We can set those things down and begin to be real, to begin to, to experience that transformation. And I, I love that it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Um, any of you garden? All right, 
All right, all right. We got two, two hands at least, right? I, I don't garden myself. And, um, but I've seen, you know, fruit and vegetables grow. It's not snapping the fingers, right? I want a tomato, boom, a tomato, right? You got to plant the seed. You got to have the vine grow. You got, it has to bud. It has to blossom and it has to grow. That takes time, right? You got to cultivate the soil. You have to water it just right. And that's how these things develop. Love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. They take time to happen, but slowly, slowly, they begin to grow in us. And as Dallas Willard says, when we see this fruit grow, doing the right thing becomes the natural thing. We're not forcing ourselves to do the right thing. We experience this inner transformation where doing the right thing becomes the natural thing for us to do. See, we see the disciples before they received the Holy Spirit, right? We see them in Jesus' biggest sign of, of need. They basically abandon him. They deny him. They betray him. They're afraid, right? They're fearful. What do we see after Pentecost? They're transformed. They're courageous. They're proclaiming the good news. They're willing to give their lives for their faith as they undergo persecution from the Roman government. We see a people transformed, and we get to experience that transformation as well. And it's wonderful when we experience it ourselves or those we know and encourage people as you see them growing in the fruit of the Spirit, let them know that you see it. Encourage them on that journey because we don't do this journey alone. We get to do it together. We get to encourage one another together. So I just want to encourage you all in this season to pause and wait for the Holy Spirit, to remember that it's his God's promise to you to send the Spirit, that we can have a posture that open ourselves up we can prepare and we can receive God's power and we can know that even when we mess up, God's grace is there for us to continue to minister to us. Next week, it's going to be about how do we discern the Spirit? How do we perceive the Spirit? And is it our own thoughts or is it something else? How do we recognize those nudges in our hearts? And, and how do we be filled afresh with God's Spirit? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are here and I thank you that um, you can do in our hearts what we cannot do, God. And I pray just for your spirit to continue to work, God. Work um, in this space. Work in the communion, God, that's coming up. This means of grace, this, this, this meal that allows us to partake in what you have for us, God. I pray for your spirit to encourage us this morning and to speak a word, God, to, to the word that we need to hear. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.